Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Podside, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo. Uh, and, uh, of course, I'm joined today by co-host Kurt. Hello, Kurt. Hey, Carlo. And we are joined by none other than a uh, member of the Trillbillies podcast, Aaron Thorpe. Hey, Aaron. How you doing? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on to uh, talk about uh, one of my most favorite, most recent stories that I've read because I've been on a reading uh been trying to get back into reading and writing uh one of my favorite stories so uh really excited to be talking about it with both of you kurt nice to talk to you again as well thank you for coming on my podcast to talk about uh the ones who walk away from mellis that was a great conversation yeah totally yeah absolutely glad to glad to have you on and thanks for having me on for that that was like i I feel like that was one of the best podcasts i've done like i i I don't know you you all had uh that was on uh everybody loves communism yeah um, yeah yeah, yeah. go and check out that episode if you haven't haven't listened to it um, and, uh, I, I feel like y- you and your like co-hosts have had like really, really good, deep insight on, on stuff and brought like really good perspective. I don't know. It was, it was, it was really good. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like legit proud of that. About that well, I, I mean, like I, I have to, I have to reference if people have don't know already the piece that you wrote, uh, for, um, blood knife mag. About that story, um, I use we you know use that as a basis for the conversation that we had, and that's a great piece. So people should check that out too. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that, that was actually a great episode, and uh, kudos to both of you. Actually, uh, I listened in, and I, I I do agree, Kurt. There was there was some great insights uh, being had all around. It, it it was good because I know so little about, about theory, and there was like. <laughs> it's, it's always nice to have other people who know way more about theory because then I can just kind of like keep my mouth shut and it's like it seems like I know but <laughs> well, my co-host co- go ahead sorry sorry oh, no, I was just gonna say Kurt uh, you know you, you know more than me so <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I, don't I might know. just be good anyway. at pretending anyway <laughs> no, I was I was going to say my co-host of uh, Jamie for Everybody Loves Communism, since it is a theory podcast, but I mean, even if we're talking about a movie or, you know, like a sh- short story like that, she's like, yeah, let's see. Uh, let's see what Ursula K. Le Guin's politics are. Was she an anarchist? Was she a communist? What sort of <laughs> substance? So she's the one that. But I mean, it ends up. And actually, too, with this story we're going to talk about, I found a little theory um, some Baudrillard actually, um, uh, that someone wrote, if people want to check the piece out, maybe we can link it in the show notes. I'm not going to talk about the whole thing, but mm-hmm. brings up some interesting, um, theoretical, uh, uh, connections with the story that I had never considered, but we'll get into it. Okay. So, uh, and, and just to be clear, because, uh, I, I don't want to lose anyone. If they haven't read the uh, title of the episode, we are going to be discussing none other than William Gibson himself, uh, his, one of his first published stories called Fragments of a Hologram Rose. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, 
He uh, published this in a now defunct magazine called Unearth uh, in 1977. I, I believe it's been reprinted or, or, or sort of like different versions of it exist. Uh, like there's 30 different other reprintings and or, you know, just simply changing uh, publishers or different imprints and whatnot. Uh, so uh, can I, can I, I mention too, that he got paid, I think $23, $23. which like, and like at the time, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how much it fucking was, but like, that's, it's probably when you could buy, still buy like a whole meal for like five oh, bucks yeah. or some shit. You know what I mean? But like today, knowing that that's depressing as a writer, I'm like, God damn, man, can I, I'll take like $10 for a fucking, no, no, I'm kidding. More than that, please. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, uh, this Definitely in like uh, what we'd call now token, you know, token rates. You know, you, you're being paid a flat fee, uh, a very low flat fee many times. In uh, in 2023 dollars, according according to the internet, that would be about about 113 dollars, which isn't bad. I mean, this isn't a super long story either. This no, is it's probably super what, short. Like 3,000 words or so. Nah, like no, it's not even that. It's less than 2,000 words. Really? Mm, Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, it's yeah, so fucking short. That's a pretty good rate. I, well, not, not to mention like – Honestly, um, and and for the like, it is really something for two thousand words. It's punching way above its its uh, its weight, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, um, in any case, so Aaron, uh, let me because I don't want to put you on the spot, but mm-hmm. also, <laughs> what you know, what what it, what made you say that this is your you know your favorite of the current crop of cyberpunk stories you've been reading? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I'm gonna not, I'm not gonna pretend like that, uh, cause if anyone follows me on Twitter, like, I think people would think that, like, I am, like, uh, like a wealth of infra- uh, information and knowledge, like, I'm just have this encyclopedic knowledge of sci-fi. I don't, I just get high and I just like, you know, find retro <laughs> sci-fi and I post it, right? And, uh, but I've always liked science fiction and I think, um, not to give too much backstory, but I mean, like, I've went, been wanting to get back into reading, um, writing, but reading too. And sci-fi has always been like um, my kind of niche um, genre that I've always turned to. I mean, I studied writing and literature, but sci-fi has always been where it's at for me. And lately with the AI shit and um, with just sort of this, these, it seems like this false realization of these emerging technologies of the 21st century, you know? Um, mm-hmm. given capitalism and the way it needs to kind of like, um, I guess get the, get the cart before the horse, you know, and kind of like present all these ideas. And I was like, yo, let me go back and like do a little bit of like, like, um, you know, a little bit of reading into seeing what criticisms existed before any of this was even a reality. And, um, I got to, of course, William Gibson and I read Neuromancer and loved it and said, yo, I gotta like, I gotta fucking read his short stories. Right. And Burning Chrome, um, that's the short story collection I read. And there are, Tons of beautiful stories, and there are like twelve different stories. It's amazing. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone's a banger. Johnny Mnemonic. People know they made a shitty movie in nineteen ninety six with Keanu we, Reeves. We it just a couple we, episodes ago. Yeah, we we talked about it. Yeah, just recently. Yes. 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 Which I haven't watched yet. Which I should probably check out just because I like that story. Gern's Back Continuum, which is his oh, um, so kind lovely. of like his kind of like uh, refu- refutation of golden age sci fi, which is like amazing but then there's this one and long story short i mean it's just beautiful i mean it's a less than a it's like a 1900 words and it it sort of flips switches between the personal history of this character parker and also the larger contextual social history of the society that he lives in i mean there's even a little blurb 
from what looks like a media theory book from like i guess like yeah. the 90s or something you know i mean it's just like what the fuck dude you feel like you're reading a piece of like almost social theory right um and then you know it's just mixed in with just like well what is memory what's reality like do you really know someone by engaging with their content which anyone today can ask you know like you ever sneak on someone's timeline someone you have to crush on or someone that you're like interested in and you're like Yo, do I know this person by like, you know, scrolling through the media? No, you fucking don't. So long, long story short, this story is just, I feel like an encapsulation of what we in this kind of fragmented digital era are sort of struggling with when it comes to like manners of self, um, identity, memory, love. And he does it in less than a 2000 words. So sorry for that long answer. I, no, 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 I, no, I think, great. I think you said something that really stood out to me. And when I was reading the story, which is, which is like your, your point about how uh, it like this, this like captures, I think so much of what is difficult about the current era of technology in a way that a lot of contemporary stuff doesn't. And I, I think because like much like this story, when it was written, stories that are written now, I think tend to fixate on the the technology itself. Right. So like this story is very fixated on, you know, LCD screens and cassettes and holograms, like specific technologies that now uh, microfiche, you know, that now feel feel out of date to us. But the actual underlying observations about the construction of identity and really the construction of reality across different mediums. And I, I love your point about like, can you know someone through their, their content? And that mm. is, if th that aspect of this story feels so relevant, this idea of like, it's almost like reality splitting into multiple different, different layers and you can occupy any of them at, you know, in different moments, you, we have technology that can, that can put you into the literal, you know, physical embodiment of someone else subjectively moment to moment, and you still can't know them. That feels so close to, to now where like everybody, it feels like exists on, on multiple layers, right? You've got like your actual physical self. You've got this online image. You may even have like an online brand. That's like a more formal version or like a, or, or like a more like rarefied or like accentuated version of your online self. Like we're, we're all now yep. like multiple people yes. and the way he captures that is so dense. And I, I also just love the stylistic like fuckery in this story where it just goes into second person for a while. It shifts, you know, it, it, it is. Yeah. There's like found, found, um, uh, found document text in here. It's just, it's all over the place. And you get this kind of like, kind of like hyper media snapshot of an imagined moment in time. And I feel like you come away from this story feeling like you have experienced maybe not another world, but like another moment in another world more completely than you could have done if you sat down and wrote you know something 10 times as long with more actions and more details it's just like it's just it's dense and yes. multi-layered I, I really enjoyed well, the story i i think the thing that struck me is that so this is pretty simple because it's it's, it's almost very it's very meditative um but it, it's basically following uh, this, like, like you said, Aaron, a character called Parker who, um, is, is involved with, uh, what is it? Apparent sensory, um, perception, perceptions. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. ASPs. Um, and these are basically just like, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, strange days. 
You know, it, it's basically yeah. like the 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 weird little virtual reality, but you plug into sort of transmitted uh, feelings. Uh, you you inhabit a a virtual person, right? The, that virtual person that recorded that, you inhabit them for a while. You embody them for a while, and uh, you know he he's broken up with his girlfriend, and it sort of it takes its time to build. And one of the things that um, I guess I, I, I'm a dummy because I, I, I didn't really think about it because I was like, well, you know, this has like weird ellipses between, um, different fragments of mm-hmm. the, of the narrative. And I was like, oh, this is like a, like a mosaic, which in and of itself would be fragments of, you know, what, what he's talking about at the end, right? That to a certain extent, each one of these fragments is in and of itself tells mm-hmm. you enough about the world and about Parker and about everything else that's happened uh, for you to sort of see it from different angles. And I, I think that that's what he was playing around with, with like that switches of, you know, points of view, you know, you go to, you switch to second person and suddenly you're, you're in the past, you're in the present. Uh, it's, it's just so interesting. And I think it mimics also like the complication of already as human beings, we sort of walk through the world and we are, you know, simultaneously sort of drifting through you know, reality, mm-hmm. memory, wants, dreams, everything all at once. And then you add another layer of that to, you know, if you add another layer of like, well, what if this seemed as real as everything else? Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, you know, I was telling you guys earlier, I was looking up um, just what analysis, you know, ideas and um, critiques that existed that I hadn't thought of. And um, uh, this person's name, um, Jere Imene Gomez. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce this person's name, but I we, I can link it. It's from the SFRA Review. Um, and this was written, I guess, uh, I'm not sure when it was written, but just to let people know, I, these are not my original ideas. This is someone who wrote this. And I just have to mention, um, I, I, I've never read, I've never read Baudrillard before, but I do know of his term hyper-reality, which is like this the sort of um, the demarcation, or I guess where the demarcation becomes less clear between mm-hmm. reality and what's not real, right? Um, and I think virtual reality, right, who Bono Bargiard talks about that is the perfect sort of technological, literal manifestation of that, right? And um, so he describes the simulation of hyperreality as being fragmented um, and disintegrated. And um, this, is, this is just a little bit of what he says. And for anyone, if you haven't read the story, you should pause and read it. This literally sounds like Gibson's description of the rose, right? He says, um, transcendency disrupted, and this is Baudrillard, 1978, transcendency disrupted into thousands of fragments, which are like pieces of a mirror in which we fleetingly can grasp our reflection before it disappears completely. As in the fragments of a hologram, each piece of the mirror contains the whole universe. And I mean... There's literally a part at the end. Yes. I mean, it's called, it's called Fragments for Hollywood Rose, and that's what he talks uh, about, uh, right? Uh, if, if you want, I can read that yes, right at the end. And to be fair, like, if you're listening here, I don't think that this spoils anything. Um, mm. it, you can't really spoil it. Yeah. I mean, there's no it, plot. It's non, yeah, there's yeah, no like, plot, really, non, in the story. Yeah, it's nonlinear. There's no real plot. Um, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and just read the whole the whole bit here. Please. <clears throat> Parker lies in darkness, recalling the thousand fragments of the hologram rose. A hologram has this quality. 
Recovered and illuminated, each fragment will reveal the whole image of the rose. Falling toward Delta, he sees himself, the rose, each of his scattered fragments revealing a hole he'll never know. Stolen credit cards, a burned-out suburb, planetary conjunctions of a stranger, a tank burning on a highway, a flat packet of drugs, a switchblade honed on concrete, thin as pain. Thinking, we're each other's fragments. And was it always this way? That instant of a European trip, deserted in the gray sea of white tape, is she closer now, or more real, for his having been there? She had helped him get his papers, found him his first job in ASP. Was that their history? No. History was the black face of the Delta Inducer, the empty closet and the unmade bed. History was his loathing for the perfect body he woke in if the juice dropped, his fury at the pedal cab driver, and her refusal to look back through the the contaminated rain. But each fragment reveals the rose from a different angle, he remembered. But Delta swept over him before he could ask himself what that might mean. I mean, Jesus, man. And, you know, like, that's just such a beautiful sort of... Again, as I was saying earlier, this fragmentation of identity, you know, and Baudrillard wrote in, he he wrote, I think, um, he was writing in what, 19, no, it was even after 1978, but pretty much Gibson preceded this, right? Mm-hmm. Like this, this mm-hmm. kind of like, um, this kind of thinking about what, not just social media, but I guess this, this new media sphere, right? With these new technologies and what they would do to society but also the psyche i mean Guy Debord also talks about in the spectacle where the spectacle also has each kind of sort of division of its own reality right that comprises one whole totality of everything and for this story to kind of jump non-linearly between his own personal life how he met up with this person that he's broken up with because the story actually starts with them i guess breaking up mm-hmm. where he's in second person where she's she's walking away from him in the contaminated rain. And that's another thing, too. The fact that Gibson is able to reveal so much about this fragmented world and this chaotic society from the pollution, from the acid rain to revolutions, tanks burning out on highways. And it's he sort of alludes to like the the sprawl, I guess, trilogy and that sort of world in the Johnny Nanomic universe as well. And I don't he's never really written like a like a story that explains the events in it. But just this little snapshot reveals so much about these later stories that, I mean, it was really for me to treat to go back and read it after having read Neuromancer, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I um, so you, you just reminded me of another layer to this, right? Mm. Because um, this is all in the wake of him, basically his, the person who made him who he is today, leaving like after yeah. a romantic uh, sort of, you know, after their their romantic entanglement together or whatever you want to call it exactly, you know, they, they were together. Uh, and and I think it also captures that feeling of if you've ever been in a, a, a long relationship, when you break up, you, you, you sort of feel like you've got to put yourself back together because – you're now, you now have, you were a different person with that person. Mm-hmm. And then now you have to become a new person. And, and what's weird about that is that the, 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 the production angle, the individual production of, of 
media or objects of art or messages um it is essentially a snapshot of another you and that's not something that you can get without media that is external to you as a person right there's there's this yeah. passing reference to um the uh Lascaux uh Gutenberg Gutenberg like, yeah like methodology like. continuum and and Lascaux, I believe, is is uh, is like a French cave system where they found mm-hmm. like ancient ancient cave paintings. So the point he's making is, you know, there, there's there's basically a a preceding era of human history where we to to convey a moment in time, you had to create something external to yourself and put it out there in the world, right? Like mm-hmm. a letter, a painting, you know, a book. Uh, you know, now for us, it's like photographs, posts, web pages, blog articles, you, you know, and um, and then he's now in a new modality where it's you can actually access someone else's subjective experience at that moment. You're, you, you don't just have the the like material culture r- representation of it. And I think that's so interesting the way that it observes that again that like back to like the fragments of a hologram rose Mm -hmm. you can never get it's it's like that idea of like you can never really know another person least of all in a moment before the present but you can find an artifact of that moment that that gives you like like a fragment of who they were at that instant and and for um what's his name again patrick no um Parker. 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 Thank you. Mm. Yeah. P- Parker has a, like basically like like a pile of material culture left over from his relationship from his life. And he's trying to he's trying to square that with his own subjective experience. And now on top of that, this fragment of just unedited subjective experience from his ex-girlfriend. And he's he's also like I love the the fear that he has mm. of of that subjective experience where he's like, is it going to be like a recording with a lover? Is it going to mean something to me? Like, should or I, is even it going to mean at nothing this? at all? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I, I love that. It's so, I don't know. It's just very, it's ev- evocative in a way that like, really, I think hits it like so many well, contradictions and, and anxiety about, about and, right now. And I feel like it, it, the, the, the thing that makes it sort of, sort of funny and ironic is the fact that, it has absolutely nothing to do with him when he, when he puts on the, puts on the rig, it's just like, it's, it's been mostly erased except for a brief moment where she's on the beach in Greece. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or by a fountain and there are, there are are pigeons. And and you know what, you know, I wonder, can I read that, um, that little snippet? It's like this, this little snippet of social media theory, Mm -hmm. Um, by Roebuck and Parole. I actually had to look these names up. Like, my dumb ass for a minute did not realize that this was, I mean, it's obviously a part of the story, but the way that Gibson (laughs) slides it in, um, I think it addresses exactly what you were just talking about, um, Kurt. He says, if the chaos, and this is apparently from recent American history, a systems view, which recent American history, I'm assuming this is the 90s. And he wrote this, Gibson wrote this in 1977. So he's uh, predicting trying to predict 30, 40 years in the future. If the chaos of the 90s reflects a radical shift in the paradigm of visual literacy, the final shift away from this lost, lost cow Gutenberg tradition of a pre-holographic society, what should we expect from this newer technology with its promise of discrete encoding and subsequent reconstruction of the full range of sensory perception? And 
While, while you guys were talking, it made me think that one of this story's themes, I didn't think about it until just now, is liminality. You know, mm-hmm. like Parker himself is in this liminal space where he's getting he's not even getting he's not even over the breakup. He's she's trying to live with it and trying to come to terms with it. While also there are these emerging technologies, which um, um, he also Gibson also describes in Parker's past how, oh, uh, before you could use these ASP systems, there was just holograph holography, right? There were holograms, right? Which I mean, for me reading, I'm like, damn, that's pretty fucking futuristic. We didn't even have holograms now. Could you imagine being inside someone's mind? But that's exactly the point, right? Is that um, uh, Gibson says as as soon as these ASP theaters uh, came out or this technology came out, uh, I guess these holographic porn theaters in California, um, they never opened back up again, right? And just these little kind of details, whether it's about a revolution or this emerging technology and Parker's own um, breakup and trying to get over it, I'm like... I mean, how did how were you able to do this in two thousand words that a lot of people would spend like you know what I mean like a couple thousand maybe entire novel to do while also you know predicting that I mean this is why reading the story didn't a lot of cyberpunk that I've been reading lately sometimes does feel antiquated you know um, a lot of the maybe even the themes sometimes um, like oh we're gonna like use technology to like take over the world or like you know mm-hmm. take back the world but. Just him predicting the way that we would we would react to one another, right? And to our conception of another person based on consuming their content. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, of course, we're not able to go inside of someone's memory yet. But like I was saying earlier, right, we were talking about the way that social media is sort of constructed and the way it's people use it. It really is a snapshot of someone's life but it's only that one snapshot though this is only an avatar that this person's presenting to you of to you of themselves you know well i I would i would perhaps complicate that a little bit Mm -hmm. right because i mean this is this is something i don't think this is new right but but as soon as you know (laughs) ancient ancient face ancient technology like facebook uh (laughs) came around uh you know you you realize that it, it took a while for me to realize that, you know, it, it's it's a weird thing to watch someone else's feed uh, because then you start yearning for the happiness that they have. Yes. Uh, that is apparent in their without. And this is the thing. It, circum, it sort of circumvents your skepticism because you believe that they're happier, but you never think to yourself. This is a curated view into this is a curated snapshot of that person's life. They're only showing you the highlights reel. But what's interesting about that, though, is is I think as I think the story illustrates, what's interesting is that if you have the raw material, the actual subjective recording of, of like that's actually in practice much less meaningful than the curated view, right? Because mm-hmm. the curated view is designed to provide context. It is meant to be a communication, right? Like all art at some level is 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 a communication, right? Where it's like you are you are attempting to convey something. It could be real, it could be false, but it is there's an intent to it. Whereas like when um Parker just watches the unedited, you know, sensory footage, it doesn't mean anything. He doesn't know, he doesn't know like why was she there? What did it mean? It's not clear. Whereas if she told the story, 
even just verbally of, oh, yeah, I went to Greece. I was there with an ex-boy. Like, you would get mm. so much more context because it would be conveyed as a communication. Whereas right. as just perception, it's it's nothing. Not being mm-hmm. the person, it actually gets you less than having this exterior experience well, that they've made yeah. for you. This, I think that this is something that this story, as as well as many, you know, some of the better, uh, you know, sort of cyberpunk uh, narratives out there, like, like uh, there, there's a moment in, uh, I forget if it's in Ghost in the Shell, the first movie or the second one, where they're talking about externalized memory, right? And mm. and th- th- this is pretty much what, what we were talking about a, a couple minutes ago, right? The, the Lascaux and the Gutenberg, all of these and art. In general, as you were saying, Kurt, is a a form of um, communication that, you know, if I want to write a story, I want to convey something. But the the actual tape uh, that that Parker views is really just externalized memory for for herself yeah like it's it's meant for her own perusal so there's no she she never made it with the perhaps with the intention of another eye to watch Mm -hmm. it except her own and she knows what the context is and she knows what the meaning is but she's no longer here yeah and that's what makes i guess this sort of technology so complex and multi-layered right because like you guys are saying it's one thing to like I guess it's one thing to take a picture, right, or draw a picture, um, not only with a individual um, kind of image in mind, but one that you want to present to people, right? But it's another thing when you are experiencing something, right, and passing Mm -hmm. it on to someone else to experience. Because that means when Parker looks at that tape, he has to overlay his own feelings and expectations, right, Mm -hmm. about what that, not just what that moment meant, but what he meant to her. You know, and mm-hmm. I think that's like the really the thing that's like the, the, the part that I think makes us all kind of like um uh, a little bit, well, not a little bit, a lot of bit crazy, you know, and I know me <laughs> on social media, too, is like not knowing, like being able to put yourself out there and see so much of everyone, but not being able to control the way people think of you. Right. And I mean, that's not that's the thing I think that people think about in everyday life. Right. Whether they're meeting people for the first time or whatever it may be. But I think online. Right. Everyone has this idea. Does this this real they really cling to like this sense of identity that they want to express to other people and not knowing what other people think of you is terrifying. So I could only imagine like, well, maybe this is I mean, Gibson doesn't write this in the story but i mean it had me thinking well damn maybe parker's thinking like is there anything in here this tape that will reveal to me why she left you know or why mm-hmm. we broke up you know and i mean hell man i've fucking done that you know i've gone through text messages right mm-hmm. and looked at them and said man did i fucking say anything like what happened with this relationship you know and i don't know i, I just find that kind of interesting in this digital age that these are the memento the mementos that we kind of stack up and keep the digital mementos mm-hmm. you know it's no longer like Things that we kind of physically hold on to. I mean, it, it should be and it can be, but very much of it is is sort of um, mediated memories and experiences. You know, I just find that really interesting. Yeah. What, well, and I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kurt. Oh, I was going to say one of the things that I think is really poignant and that comes through, and and that is maybe the reason that this observation is so much more clear from a piece of fiction written so so long before this is a commonplace occurrence is is that now I think we're all 
you know, we're all in culture to the internet and we're all in mm-hmm. culture to this idea of you have control to some level, or we think we have control at some level over how we are perceived. Like what you were saying, Aaron, like we, we think that we, we can present a particular image even much more so than in real life. Cause like, like yeah. in, you know, in real life, you can't take back a post, right? You can't, you <laughs> yeah. can't take down an image. You, you can't say, Oh, all, all this stuff that I did eight years ago, I'm going to get rid of that. So it's gone. Yeah. You um, can't say some fucked up shit at your partner's like, you know, parents like dinner. <laughs> and just be like, Oh, just take back later. <laughs> yeah. Just delete that later. <laughs> but, but I, I, I think that, this story is not written with that with that expectation and the reality mm. is we we don't really have that control right like i think we're learning increasingly that you actually you actually arguably have way less control over how you are perceived online than in than in real life cuz in in real life somebody has to observe you in the moment and if nobody does then it didn't happen yeah. online something's always observing you to be online is to be observed in some capacity yes. and i think that this story <laughs> doesn't get that it doesn't have that assumption so it's grappling with the with the the horror of of not being able to control your perception of reality or others perception of you and it doesn't have that that kind of cultural shield that we carry around with us now. Like, oh well, I can you know I can fix it. I can yeah. I can transition <laughs> from being an influencer about skincare to being an influencer about baking, or you know yeah. I can stop <laughs> yeah. writing about this and start writing about this, and I become a different person. Kurt, you you just reminded me, and and I'm sorry, Aaron. I'm sorry. This is this is definitely a, uh, a sensing oh, some no, baby, boss going? baby vibes. Um, <laughs> you, you reminded me of that whole passage in uh, Shadow of the Torture where uh, Severian's wandering in the dark, but he feels like he he has uh, there's somebody watching him, mm. and that, that whole thing where he's talking about like to to be watched is to be per, like basically perpetually embarrassed. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and that is something that, that I was like that. And the, the whole idea of, you know, the image has become the thing itself um, has, has sort of melded with, you know, wool. I've got a, I've got a swirl of wolf and Umberto echo, uh, you know, talking about the name of the rose and the fact that, uh, you know, like like the entire narrative of the name of the rose is to be sort of postmodern and take apart like a detective, like a, mm-hmm. a a mystery, and then on top of that, the title. It, you know, if we believe Echo and he's not mm-hmm. pulling a prank on us, was that he wrote out a, a list of names and the name of the rose was just randomly chosen <laughs> by. <laughs> well, la- last last point about uh, about that is that one of the. I don't know, uncanny things about informa- about complex information systems is that the the image actually is the thing a lot yes. of the time because yes. we have created this other level of reality that it's is its fractal. own thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If you the the you that is online is just as real as the you that is in the re- in the actual world it can well, it we, can take damage it can hurt you it can come yes. and get you like yeah. that's that's real it's not just a symbolic representation mm-hmm. because in a digital world everything is is a symbolic representation so that symbolic re- representation is in fact real yes. well i mean yes. it, if if you feel real emotions over some like a like if you've ever had something go viral or get a dog pile or whatever 
you react to that as if it's really happening. It to sucks. You. It fucking sucks. <laughs> it and it sucks fucking worse. Suck. It's because it, it, like, like it follows you around. Like, like if your boss gets, you know, shitty with you at work, you can go home. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You can be like, fuck you and, and like yell at the mirror or whatever, you know, and, and you can't really go home boss. from online. I mean, you yeah. can log off, but you can't you can't you can't go back. Home, well, and, and I think it's it's the it's again, looping back to the the idea of being perceived as as a, a constant source of shame and embarrassment. You know, like you, even if you, you put your phone down or you, you, you step away from the computer or whatever, you know, that that's continuing. Like it, it's, yeah. it just lives in your mind. And you keep on sort of like thinking about it. It's like, fuck, 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 fuck. Um, can, can we, yeah. uh, if I can put a pin in that and mm. maybe take a step back and talk a little bit about Parker's own weird history oh yeah 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 because yeah. there's the, the some alt history rocks there Sorry, are some, ahead, no there are there's some interesting um little details about because again i think i mentioned like gibson never lays out the the history um and the events of this world which i mean you know it's fine you know you don't have like this um extended gibson universe reader you know but um he does hint at it i think the beginnings are kind of laid in this which there's apparently been a civil war and a sort of revolution and then company technological companies have come in and they've kind of colonized everything and i mean but parker's own history is wrapped up in that so yeah we we can get into that because um it's 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 pretty grim it's pretty mm-hmm. fucking bleak well I, I i just sort of grimly chuckled at the uh what was it the indentured internship that he was in yes <laughs> and, and so no, go go ahead, Aaron. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I just think that um, uh, I just thought that that was like, I mean, <laughs> that that like reading it now. I guess then people would have thought it was insane, but like reading it now, I'm like, yeah, I, I could totally imagine. Like that you know, feels real. That's, like yeah, I mean, being being like working for like you know like a huge <laughs> Chinese electronics manufacturer. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, probably. Well, most of America. Like, I mean, that that was what what was the name of the the place that uh, was in? Uh, sorry to bother you. Uh, it was, I keep on wanting to say WeWork, but it's not that. Oh, it's, I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's something like that. I forget. It, it's like, yeah, just yeah, everything's taken care of, but you can never leave the building. But it's, you can never fine. leave the building. Exactly. It's, it's also like, kind of like, I mean, it's it's also kind of like an H1B visa, right? Like, remember, oh, yes. when, yeah. remember when, when like all those people left Twitter, except for like a skeleton crew of people. And a lot of oh, the skeleton yeah. crew was people who were on H1B visas where like, if you get fired, you you fucking get deported from the country basically. Exactly. Like, you so have you like one leave. month to find another job. Yeah, exactly. Like, so you're, you're holding you're them hostage. <laughs> you 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 get escorted out of the building by security, and then other security escorts you out of the country. Out of the country onto a plane. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Christ. What the fuck, man? <laughs> but uh, but but yeah, he he apparently um, yeah. There's this there's this when he's 15. I'm just on the part now. His parents indentured him to some American subsidiary. Uh, subsidiary of a japanese plastics combine which is just like i mean just like i I love the way and i mean let's let i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna deny the fact that like gibson um in a lot of cyberpunk is very um like techno orientalist you know Mm -hmm. it's like this idea that for some reason uh these countries are unique um where they are going to be uh, tech cyber dystopias and i'm like no that's gonna be the united states first if anything right (laughs) um well i mean Good. I think that that's, you know, it, we have a long history of projection, right? In yes. the US. Um, but, but at the same time, like, uh, 
I, I do remember that the, um, the, the, the anxieties at the time had to do with, uh, you know, basically Japanese production models mm-hmm. uh, being able to really just overpower, you know, uh, consumer goods, you know, domestic consumer goods. Exactly. Uh, the, the interesting thing is that even his Orientalism here is, is, is kind of ahead of the curve because mm-hmm. like Japan went through like a really big boom period starting in, I want to say like, 82 or 83 and it kind of mm. crashed out in like 89 or 90 and that that's where that's what part, one of the things that really like hyper accelerated that that kind of like cyberpunk fear of yeah. asia um and well, japan in particular and that that, that, that hadn't even happened yet so he's, yeah, like, my, he's michael, even his racism is ahead of the curve yeah, michael so racist you're predicting he was he was he was he was inventing new slurs that's the problem yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, um, but, go, go ahead go ahead no i was just gonna say kurt uh, as an aside uh you know michael Crichton didn't uh didn't uh miss that particular train either with rising sun oh no oh no not, not at all not at all God, with Rising Sun, that even that title, even Jesus Christ, man, that uh, I haven't read it, but uh, no, but I, I just think that uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, like, if you're gonna go, yeah, I mean, I guess how you would pick that title, right? But uh, like, there, there also some interesting kind of little uh, details in this too, because not only does Parker leave his indenturement, I guess is what it is, um, for no reason at all, uh, he has no reason why he did it, um, upon retrospect. But he also does it um, three days before this chaotic new secessionist <laughs> regime collapse. So, I mean, like, again, like maybe the people reading it, maybe if you read it, then you would have, um, you know, you would have thought that that the United States splitting up like, I don't know, this is the 70s. No, maybe people would have thought that would have been possible that time. But that probably would have seemed like the most unrealistic thing besides like jacking into someone's memories. But I don't know, like reading it now, the world that Gibson laid out, I guess, in his Sprawl trilogy, and I haven't read the one after that, but at the height of the, in the beginning of his kind of cyberpunk career, um, the stuff that I've been reading lately, it seems a little bit ominous, you know, in, in a creepy way. Well, and, and to be fair, like I was just looking up uh, because you, you, you made me think of like, because this came out in 77 and, mm. and you know, the, the, the whole thing about, you know, like was the United States sort of declining and so on and so forth. And he, he even, you know, like he was even before the Jimmy Carter Malay speech, right. Yeah. Which was in 79. So I, I, I do feel like, um, sometime around, like I was a little kid, so I, I have no idea what adults were really thinking about this, but honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised that, you know, around 76, even, <laughs> Uh, there, there was, there was already like, they were ha- both, uh, having uh, in, in perfect U.S. fashion. You're both celebrating the bicentennial of, uh, the founding of the U.S. and also despairing about how it's going to collapse at any moment. Exactly. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, the U.S. loves to, uh, say that it's the best, but also it's on the verge at any moment of, of, you know, being, being destroyed or whatever, you know, that, that's, that's sort of been how they've, uh, yeah, how how the government has has sort of responded to everything. So here's yeah. a funny quirk of material culture, right? In uh, there is a 15 minute video produced by the CBC in uh, Yorkville in in Canada, which was basically like the San Francisco of Canada 
in, <laughs> okay. in the late 60s and early 70s. It's a 14-minute video filmed in 1969 of a, he must have been like 17 or 18, William Gibson walking around as a hippie, as like a young hippie what? talking about, yeah, I'll I'll post the link. <laughs> it's, it's super weird. I watched it earlier today. It's super weird. He seems fucking stoned out of his mind. Um, so there is at least a little glimpse of what he was thinking about a few years before this story was written. Because also, I, I I rushed to add, he's Canadian, so he's stealing a little bit of American valor there. <laughs> no, 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 no. He he skipped he skipped the country. Remember? Oh, that's true. Okay, that's true. That's true. He's <laughs> he's he's not technically Canadian. I I think he's Canadian. Well, yeah, he, 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 could, Canadian he's, Canadian by choice. Let's put it that way. He's Canadian esque. Canadian by choice. Canadian esque. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> But yeah, but it, I I mean I don't know, man. Like this this there's the sort of little details um about the this dystopian future, like the acid rain. Like these were just little things that you know, you didn't really need them, I guess, you know? But they just filled out the story in the world in a way that like I don't know, it kind of made me want to be like, yo, like write about that shit, you know. Which but he, yeah. this is something that he's so good at cuz I, yes. I don't know. I, I you, you may have heard this story before, but like the genesis of Neuromancer is one line in Escape from New York where somebody goes um, to Snake Plissken. He goes, you threw the you flew the gull wing over Leningrad, didn't you? <laughs> and that's that 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 comes back up in Neuromancer with um, the character uh, of uh, what is it, Armitage, Armitage where yeah. he he flew um, an ultralight. <sighs> Over uh, Leningrad, I, I forget if it's Leningrad oh, or, or yes. if he changed it to like a different story. Oh shit! Yes, he flew that plane. Yeah. Oh shit, dude. Yeah. So and like Gibson is so good at he, he picks one he picks one image and he builds a whole thing around it, but he never explains the image. Like Neuromancer never actually says that there's been World War Three, but it seems it seems like there has probably. It seems like there's it, been a nuclear think, exchange. I think there is, but it literally lasted like. I think it lasted like really, really short. Like yeah. it was just a short exchange, you know. But yeah, he's he's so. Like, oh, I feel wow. like that's so that's so essential to his writing style, and it has. It's. I feel like it's a very like like William Burroughs type touch, where it's just like you get this little tiny evocative splinter of an image, and it put you and you put it out there, and it kind of like sticks with you. Like for for me, it was the reference to uh, the the four different provisional city governments in San Francisco. Um, and, and like, they're all trying to deliver like basic services and it's like, it's like one part of one sentence. And that, to that, that, I don't know, that just hit me with so much like context and meaning. And then it just kind of left out there and and hanging. And, And I'm not necessarily saying that that's like always the right way to write a story, but for this type of story, I I think it's exactly the right way. I think, I think uh, so too. Can can I just read this? So, sorry, go ahead, Carla. No, I I was just going to say that, uh, yeah, just a a, a brief note, point of order. Uh, Armitage, also known as Willis Corto, led the Screaming Fist operation in Kerensk. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, (laughs) which is is a a beautiful, um, like also written like beautifully because it it feels very um, sort of like uh, flowing with that operation, like the, the even the narration sort of speeds up and becomes fragmented and, you know. Anyway, uh, it, it is funny that um, Willis Corto is the, the the root identity, and Armitage is perhaps an identity that uh, has been constructed over him. Yes, yes, yes. Um, which which seems to to feed into the themes in this story as well. 
Well, well, I mean, like that's and that. Oh, I didn't think about that. It's true. Well, I mean, this this the, this thing I like about the story too. I guess you just reminded me. Actually, he has this little line um, where before he plays his ex's tape, um, he mentions like a little tidbit. And again, this is like one of those little like whether it's historical or societal or technological. It's just like this little snippet of information he says roughly a quarter of all asp users are unable to comfortably assimilate yes. the subjective body picture of the opposite sex mm. yes over yes. the years some broadcast asp stars have begun increasingly have become increasingly androgynous in an attempt to capture capture this segment of the audience like that is like like that just that sort of like and i mean it it flows into the next sentence because this is talking about parker being not being worried right about the change in sex for a reason why, why not wanting to play the tape, but it still just kind of creates this like, it's I me, mean, it's world building, you know, it's world building again in a 1900 like, word short story, man. Well, well, also, Aaron, like, you, you, you talked about that. And I, I just, like, I knew I thought it at the time, but also it, it I, I think a lot of stuff. So, <laughs> so it, it, it didn't come back up until now. But, but what about, like think about like all these streamers right now and how sort of like mm. like sort of made up and you have to sort of have a certain affect generally and yes. you know like like the, the I I I have not followed Twitch I I am I I am oh definitely so you're like, sane. Yes. 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 Also, I, I have stayed away from TikTok because, um, thank you very much. I, my memory and my existence is already a bright smear of light and experience. I don't need TikTok for that. Um, but, but what I'm getting at is like, think about like, uh, I, I think Kurt, you've said it. Um, TikTok voice. Yes. Yeah. There's an affectation. I mean, yeah. there, there, there is a, there is a, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you an example that's like not even like digital, I guess, man, because, um, you know, uh, I used to I used to go to uh, open um, uh, open mics like um, mm -hmm. um, spoken word. Right. And I'm um, not knocking. I mean, that shit is corny as fuck to me. But, uh, you know, <laughs> if you're not knocking, every, everyone knows it's corny as fucking, you know, hey, that's the thing about spoken word. It's corny. Right. But um, it, there, there's an affectation where you got to talk like this and you got to. But there's a style that everyone does. And it's like a, it's almost like a character. But I mean, this is the like. The accepted sort of, um, 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 I don't know. I guess like, uh, uh, like theatrical aspect of it. You know what it's, I mean? It's it's almost like a a variation of code switching. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. And like the 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 idea that like somebody. I mean, I can't really think of any analog. Like, I mean like to this now. I guess you know where. I mean, besides, I guess like the ones we're bringing up. But this sort of idea of like becoming somebody for the only the other, only other thing i could think of i guess is i saw um uh, reports about uh ai possibly allowing gamers to create their own video game you know what i mean i mean it's a sort of like media that shapes itself to the user and mm -hmm. to the consumer mm -hmm. you know like but an interactive media you know what i mean i think like that that for me that little bit right there was just like really interesting because then then it begs the question of like Okay, it begs the question of like gender and sexual identity, you know, and like what technology, what boundaries technology or bridges possibly to technology will be able to create with that, you know, and I know transhumanism is is a big like a big part of transhumanism within the genre talks about that, you know, but mm -hmm. I don't know. I just thought that bit was a little bit interesting for talking about memory and identity, you know, that was yeah. that was nice. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do agree that, like, that got me thinking, like, in 77, he was thinking about, like, you know, you know, sort of grasping at, you know, what, what is gender, yes. uh, even in this 1900, you know, <laughs> it's a word story or whatever, right? Yeah. He was like, well, you know, it, it brings to mind, like, the, the idea of the new flesh, right? Yes. <laughs> like, yes. It, it also made me think of, um, the idea of, like, the gaze, because I, I think that, I think that Sartre, uh, wait, wait, you mean, like, the one, the oh, one with no, your with eye, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the gaze, yes, I'm, the gaze. I'm very, I'm, yes. I'm very, I'm, I'm very good friends with the gaze. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, keep going, <laughs> I'll stay behind you, brother. Where, 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 where are you going with this, Kurt? Okay, okay. I'll stay behind for as long as you go with your regard. I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, like, like the male gaze, but, uh, but oh no, that's yeah. not even, that's, that's even worse. <laughs> no, so okay okay so so uh, i think sartre put forward the idea of of a uh, lay regard the gaze of of like the idea of like the subjective perception of somebody else and it was only in i think it was like the mid 70s where um the idea of like the male gaze in cinema really became like a popular uh, topic of of conversation. It's close enough to when this came out that I wonder if he was thinking about about that in terms mm. of like like cinema. Mm. Theory. Um, what was it? Uh, Laura Mulvey, I want to say, was was the film critic who um who who really like helped popularize that con- uh, that concept because mm. that mm. that really felt very resonant with this. But it's funny how much more it means now because now yeah. the idea of like perception within a video is like i i feel like like gibson would have been writing at a time when you could still kind of naively feel like a video could be objective right and yeah now mm-hmm. i i think that idea is is completely shot like now we we inherently distrust every video we see from the moment it starts um, and, now, <laughs> and now with deep fakes <laughs> and now with deep fakes even, yeah even before it starts um i also i i wanted to call out real quick uh, William Gibson loves talking about what color the sky is. <laughs> yes, <laughs> was a he very, does. I I love the bit where he's talking about like there's like a bare tree branch, um, and he says it's like uh, carbon, oh, carbon branches, branches against, against magnesium sky. sky. It's yeah. just like, mm, yes, dude. I mean, this. Oh, also too, we didn't really talk about um um like the literary um um sort of stylistic uh, content of the story, um, but I mean like. You know, after going back and reading this, after reading Neuromancer, I mean, William Gibson's a great writer and he he is one. I mean, cyberpunk writers are like the whole new wave sort of um, crop. They're known for being more literary instead of just sort of um, this is the machine. You know, um, it's more like, well, how does the machine work in society and what does it do to this person's mind and what does it do to all of us? You know, and how can I like make it in flowery language, um, which is great. But I didn't really get a lot of that in Neuromancer. I mean, there were beautiful lines, but in this one. I mean, because the narrative is nonlinear, because he switches to the second person, um, because he is talking about um, uh, memory and reality or unreality. Um, I mean, just the, some of the descriptions are beautiful, man. You know, like this, this, this part here, um, the first three quarters of the cassette have been erased. You punch yourself fast forward through a static haze of white tape where taste and scent blur into a single channel. The audio input is white sound, the no sound of the first dark sea. 
I mean, it's just like, what? Okay, yo, keep going. <laughs> like that, that's great, mm-hmm. man. Well, and I think that that's that's one of the things that um, that this story really excels at, right? It gives you just enough to want more, mm-hmm. but you're sad. Like, like I think that the entire um, story is like sort of suffused with this general uh, feeling of yearning and desire for something, yes. right? And uh, I feel like him sort of pulling pulling back at the last possible moment and not giving you that last line that might've given you like that satisfying, like give me more moment um, is really something that works in its favor. uh, But, but also would probably have frustrated a lot of readers who were (laughs) expecting like, like a very straightforward narrative or, you know, you're reading is what is this bullshit? Come on, man. You know, you're, you know, you just made me think about too. Um, that I think that um, maybe, well, no, I think this was like a theme of the right, this writers, the cyberpunk writers, but you know, the Gibson's and uh, Gibson's words, I think it's in burning Chrome, actually the street finds its own uses for things. Mm-hmm. Right. But then mm-hmm. there's like yeah. the flip side where like, and I think that like more zoomers than I guess millennials too, because you know, millennials, I you know, raised in the internet. Right. But I'm especially zoomers as well. Um, I think like this overstimulation of technology, you know, and of the cutting edge, you know, like Parker, not only the social traumatic social changes with the revolution or rebellion or cool, whatever it was that he went through. Right. And his own life and unexpectedly and for no reason at all, leaving his indenturement, but also sort of dealing with these emerging technologies and sort of being so overstimulated and having so much of it that it all sorts sort of begins to lose meaning. You know what I mean? Like you would think that like, Mm -hmm. if you could have this technology that would allow you to enter somebody's thoughts, you know, um, or memories, I guess, right. To get a clearer image of who they are, to get a better grasp as technology does of the world around you. Yet like Parker doesn't, right. He's still in this weird liminal depressed space and like, Neither really do any of us, right, with all this technology and knowledge at our fingertips, right? We still, maybe I'm speaking for myself here, have no idea what the fuck is going on, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or how well, any I mean, of it even works, right? Yeah. So, so let, let me circle back to something mm. uh, you, you'd mentioned sort of in passing, Aaron, right? Mm. Which is that uh, he, so, so Parker is in that um, <laughs> indentured internship. <laughs> And he's a slave. He, he's a he's, yeah. a, he's a slave he's in a, waiting. Is what he yeah. is. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but he jumps the fence right and leaves mm. three months before his his term would be up. Right, mm-hmm. and so you know, on the other hand, yeah, you know, like in retrospect, he he can't even fathom why he did that. Why why did I do that? And he has no answer for himself. Right, mm. and so. In in a certain sense, he's become even sort of unable to find his own meanings for his own actions, yeah. uh, and he's he's sort of looking towards this tape. Like like I don't think it's there in the tape. This is an interpretation that I'm coming up with. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, he he watches the tape almost as a way to go against this idea that for all this technology, people can't seem to connect yes yo and, that's and, yes and, and like sorry go and, ahead that's such a good no point, no man. 
Yeah, and and so like there's this perfect interface. You can you can inhabit that person's body. You can feel what they felt, look through their own eyes, you know, all that stuff. You you might even share the same thoughts. But you can't fucking connect. And what's yeah. the fucking point of that? Yeah, man. I mean that that I think is like the most um I think that's the most not disillusioning because everybody kind of already knows this, but I guess that is like the promise of sort of the internet. And I mean, even cyberpunk, right? Because again, I've been, I, I really love the genre, but I've been thinking, especially the stuff I've been reading, the early stuff, in what ways did it mm, fall short, but not just <laughs> fall short, but what ways that, I mean, these guys couldn't predict the fucking future, right? But just this sort of idea that, um, you know, uh, people were going to be able to use technology Right. To, um, you know, break the chains of domination, right, of subjugation, you know, and the, the, the way that cyberpunk itself, first of all, is like in a metatextual way has been commodified and a literal like capitalist <laughs> yeah. genre. In the, I mean, in the that corniest is, possible way. In the corniest <laughs> possible fucking way. We're not even talking about the Matrix here, dog. We're talking about fucking cyberpunk 2077 that shit fucking took like two years to get like halfway decent i don't play video games no one be mad at me if that's not true but no, i just shit i've heard it's pretty true, it's and, pretty and, true. That, and, and and to be clear that's an adaptation of cyberpunk 2020 exactly <laughs> the yes. role-playing game the role-playing game right but like um but like i i think that gibson though in this story because that's a really good point carl i think gibson in this story um and i know gibson in later stories has written about um you know uh, uh uh well capital being able to recuperate things so quickly right um but i do think in this story that even with all of this technology even with not just the technology but with even with access to her memories that he still doesn't get any closure the same way mm -hmm. that you know from reading someone's tweets or seeing what they post on the weekend when they're hanging out with their friends and looking like they're having a good time and you're sitting there being like what the fuck am i doing with my life <laughs> you still don't you still don't have you still don't know right and it's like mm -hmm. i think that's the disillusioning kind of dialectical kind of um i don't know like it's just like i mean there are plenty of characteristics kind of uh idiosyncr idiosyncrasies of the era that we live in but i think one of the biggest contradictions is like having all this technology and having the ability where, I mean, we we probably couldn't live in a Star Trek, you know, type of post-scarcity world. But, I mean, we could do amazing shit. And yet, people are not only, like, in poverty and, like, you know, in sickness and shit. But people are, like, very deeply unhappy. Psychically mm -hmm. unhappy, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, and, I know. and the the other thing that jumped out at me about, about kind of what you're saying, Aaron, about, like, the way that technology appears in a story like this versus how it actually manifests is... Like everybody in most cyberpunk stories knows a whole hell of a lot more about technology than than almost anybody <laughs> actually does. Like like every yes. William Gibson character, even somebody who's not supposed to know about technology, is talking about like a, at an in depth level about the, oh, the implications, man. and they're thinking and about it. Um, and in yeah. reality, most people engage with with technology is like, well, I turn the screen on, and there's stuff there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I the 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 fucking iPhone. You have one button. Yeah. It's a one button machine. He's, he's talking about Delta and Theta waves and talking about the passage. Yeah, talking about plugging shit in and shit, bro. Like, and that's the thing, too. I think, like, this misconception, I was talking to uh, somebody. I said, it's not that, uh, you know, it's not that millennials, you know, um, it's not that that I, I, 
I grew up, I yeah, grew up with technology. So it made, it was at a time in which they were making things easier to use, you know? Um, but it doesn't mean that I had any, I have any ready, in, ready insight into technology. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you give me a phone, I mean, I can work it better than like, you know, probably like someone who's, you know, over 65, but the shit that comes out now, like, yo, I had to go to my nephew the other day when he was here to ask him about something, you know? And I was surprised, you know, because usually my mom does that to me. And I'm like, oh, shit, like I'm turning into that now. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, it's just this conception that everybody would have. But then again, I don't know. I feel like this. I will say that um, I, when I was looking at um, some analysis and summaries and stuff of the story, one person had said that, um, you know, it, it's it's not that great of a story. And the Gibson has written better ones. And I was like, yo, maybe this is a hot take here. But like, I like Neuromancer a lot and I'm going to read more of Gibson and I have not. You know, I mean, I'm a novice here talking. I have not or like not even a novice, but I guess I'm a, uh, I'm a Philistine here talking. I haven't read much of his shit, but I think the story is like amazing and a better, a better like for early cyberpunk. I think it's like a great representation of not just the genre, but it also like it, is, it also preemptively solves or resolves some of the issues mm-hmm. that I have with the genre. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? By sort of not presenting, yeah. um, I don't know. I don't know what I guess what I'm saying, but it, it just resolves some sort of contradictions in it's, cyberpunk that I have problems with, you know? It's messier and it feels more yes. real to me. Yes. Like, yeah. Neuromancer yeah. has a lot of artifice to it to make it a sci-fi story, right? Like, like all the stuff where, like, they go up into space and there's, like, the space Rastas and, like, there's a, <laughs> yeah. lot, of, there's a lot of stuff with, like, where it just feels like sci-fi detail. And, like, it's not, you know, it's it's still, I would say, fairly good you know, even the stuff that's kind of clunkers is like is still pretty good for a clunker from what is it, 1982? Yeah. Um, but but I I think there's a lot more sci-fi story artifice where it's like, let's make this into a sci-fi story, a sci-fi narrative. You let's know? make this cool. Exactly. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Molly is cool, Case is cool, Corto no. is cool, everybody's good. In this, nobody's cool. It's just like people <laughs> in a weird you know William S. Burroughs computer well, well, land. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's cool after a breakup. I, I yeah. was just, I was just about to say that, yo. It's like literally, he wrote this story after a breakup. Like, yeah. and you know what, too? Like, and, and this was, this is so amazing about it, dog. It's like again, like this, like we've been talking about it for like an hour, and like if you asked me to describe it and tell you the plot, I guess I'd be able to. Like, I mean, I guess like a guy has a breakup, but that's the thing, man. Is like. Yo, I, I really felt like he, I mean, I don't know Will Gibson's life, right? But I felt like he wrote this out of not to be like, I'm going to write this, like you were saying, Kurt, the sci-fi kind of artifice. I'm going to write this like um this uh, paragon of what this, this the genre should be, right? Or he didn't think of it at the time, but that's what it became. Where this one was like, I mean, way before even that, he was like, damn, man, this shit sucks. You know, I'm going to write well, about see, it. I like to believe that, see- <laughs> I think that also this this story perhaps more than uh, maybe I'm uh, I haven't read everything that Gibson's written, including in this same collection, uh, but but this feels much more like a um, like he's approaching it from a techno pessimist sort of view, yes. right? Where a lot of cyberpunk is, you know, to 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 Kurt's earlier point, 
is all about like the sci-fi sort of trappings and you got to make everything look cool. And yeah, you know, like everyone's got mirror shades. Yeah, man. That's, that's, <laughs> it's, it's sort of like the steampunk version of, yeah. of like, which is also his fault. Goggles. I has, I also, I, also I his fault. Yes. Point. yes. Also on his shoulders. Also his fault. <laughs> him, well, him, him and Bruce Sterling. Him, him and Bruce Sterling. Yes, 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 yes. Which I have no desire to read that fucking book at all. I heard about that shit and I was like, in my journey, I'm like, no, I'm not going to read that one. Um, I, I, I read it. I read it a long time. You're thinking, ago. but I don't think yes. it's a very interesting book. It's, I just it's a don't lot like better. Steampunk. It's a lot I don't better. Know. It's it's really not like what steampunk became. Okay, it's, it's, okay. It's but I, I don't think it's an essential read either. I think I, you're I fine also, skipping it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm. Yeah, you don't. I don't think you have to read it unless you're you're going into like uh, I don't know William Gibson academic uh, papers or whatever. But yeah. but I, I to your point, Kurt. I, I always felt like I came away from it feeling like it was a weird reprise of what if neuromancer had happened earlier than you know earlier than whenever it happened in in the book right that's exactly uh, how they came up with it they they, they yeah. were like what if what if the first uh like mechanical computers had really succeeded and and just grew from there instead of happening yeah. essentially and that's okay that's, that's a pretty that's from. a pretty that's a pretty cool idea i'm not yeah. gonna lie yeah, I, don't, I, I also don't like i just don't also like the uh the aesthetics of steampunk like everything is just like so whimsical. I don't know. It's just it's, it's just like yeah. it looks. It sucks. It looks like Willy Wonka shit to me, man. I don't. <laughs> yeah, know. yeah, yeah. It looks like Willy Wonka at like a bondage party. Basically. Yeah, man. It just kind of creeps me out, yo. It's very weird. Um, All right. I I have to say I agree with you about this story versus Noramancer. This feels this feels like a like an early like demo tape recorded in a garage where you get yes. like the original lead singer and it's all fucked up and weird. And then, you know, two years later, the real album comes out and they fired that original singer or like he died or something. And yeah, and, you you're know, like, like, yeah, he died of an overdose or something like, yeah, yeah, yeah. A cleaner sound, but also like something, something is, it's still there, but it's now a little bit diluted. And this or, is undiluted. This is just like, or, this, know, is, the- this is Neuromancer in pill form. <laughs> or, or the or the or the or the 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 band is intact, but they've been uh, comped for a lot of stuff over yeah. a, like a couple of years. <laughs> so it sort of lost and it lost something. It had, it had an edge before, and now it's not really there anymore. Now it's not um, there anymore. This this is like finding that uh, that tape in the back of your car, like after a couple of I don't know, maybe months or years, maybe where it's grimy and dusty and dirty, and you're like, okay, I'm still gonna play it though, you know. <laughs> and then uh, it's a video of a woman walking in Paris near a fountain. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, you just you just uh, made me think of uh, something that comes up in in one of his uh, later, much later books. But uh, but anyway, I, I think we should probably wind it down. Uh, yeah. Do we have Do we have any uh, last pressing thoughts that we want to get out? Um, no, not really. Just one that actually, yeah, um, just that uh. I was thinking about this earlier, just that, like, you know, the kudos to William Gibson and for anyone that, like, you should read this story because, I don't know, for me, I wanted to get back into writing and sometimes it takes, like, a little, like, a uh, just a little something to nudge me in that direction. And um, just the Burning Chrome collection in general, because um, I've been tweeting about writing and stuff and some people have said, hey, I've been thinking about it too. And I'm like, dude, the best thing that's, like, that I've been doing is reading has really helped me, you know? 
Yeah. Um, Aaron, Aaron, you are you are you are really um, trying to get yourself uh, you know, saying, <laughs> saying very provocative things. People reading books to write. What, what is what yes. is yes. You're trying to get yourself canceled by a whole wing of Twitter you don't even know about and don't want to. <laughs> no, listen, man, listen, like motherfuckers, yo, dude, that shit is insane to me, first of all, right? If you don't fucking, you sound like you don't like writing is what it sounds like. Or, I mean, you obviously don't like reading. It doesn't sound like you're like writing either, but um, I don't know, man, because I think like, like, I know, I've I realized that a lot of people like, um, like myself, like they have, you know, creative talents and they want to engage in them and they feel like they can't do it. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I'm recommending this story because it helped me want to help, and the whole collection really because it made me want to start writing again and thinking about like the way we engage with you know technology in the world today. Even though this shit was written like fucking thirty years ago, man, still still a little um, bit prescient. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think reading. Something- I want to say, I want to say it's forty three years ago. Jesus but- Christ. 43 exactly <laughs> 43 and 72 hours jesus christ <laughs> uh, it, it, what's uh what's what's amazing to me is like you can read a story like this and then just come away from it in, in terms of like what it does for you as a writer being like oh like i can do that like there's no rules i i can write whatever yes. i want nobody can fucking stop me it's like it's like we read um aaron we have an episode coming out tomorrow uh where there, there's a story that starts with a guy's girlfriend getting kidnapped by elves and ends what? with the CIA uh, <laughs> doing a coup on California using robot police. Yo, how long? How long is the story? It's not. It's like it's like 180 pages. It's tiny. It's a tiny, tiny novel. And it, oh, and it has God, like five dude. twists in it, dude. And it is it is <laughs> bananas. Yeah, yeah that's and, and it's good. Like like I read it and I was like, I can do anything. <laughs> you know, I can do you anything know I want. Nobody can fucking stop me. And like I read this and and I, I get the same feeling of like, wow, you can just like put weird ideas and there's a way to make them because this is a very unpolished story that that to me is what this is yes this is a paragon of a a rough unpolished story that still works and i think that any amount of editing or polishing there's there's like grammatical issue uh, like like errors in this there's a there's there's something where like it's like the wrong it's like the wrong tense of has i i I think Mm -hmm. in one of the sentences and it it works like any edits you would do to this would just make it less impactful it works because it's kind of fucked up and to yes. me, that's 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 beautiful. That's like that is the punk in cyberpunk, I, mm-hmm. I think. When it no, and so th- thank you to an eighty-year-old uh, ersatz Canadian man. <laughs> no, that's 70, 74, I'll let you know. <laughs> Seventy-four. No, nah, but that that's 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 a good point, man. It's also you were you made me think, Kurt. It's also just like this is like the quintessential like first published story, you know? Because I think this was literally his first published story, and it's it's like you can tell. But at the yeah. same time, though, um, it has a level of depth, depth to it and texture to it that Neuromancer doesn't, you know? He's so, going um, he's going for it. He doesn't know yes. that he can fail. He's just like, you know mm-hmm. what? Fuck you. <laughs> Here's my he's story. Like, Fuck, Fuck you. you. I don't care if you want this. <laughs> Give me my $23 so I can pay my rent in 1977. <laughs> well, and, and, and also, uh, one, one detail. I, if I remember correctly... Um, so uh, Neuromancer was uh, basically almost a solicited book. Mm. So uh, apart from um, – shit, I'm trying to remember. Is it David Hartwell? No, it's somebody else uh, was trying to sort of gather together like the, the up-and-comers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I believe uh, he, he approached Gibson and Gibson t- – 
basically said that he could do it. And also he was very worried um, <laughs> when I believe he saw Blade Runner and also Akira and was very worried that uh, people would think that he'd stolen ideas from them. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Because like, I think now people, I mean, actually, I don't know. Cause I guess all of that shit, I, I'm not good at like the, remembering what came out first. Was Akira 1986? Yeah, he uh, went, 1984, he, he I believe. What's that? 1984, I believe. Uh, I think it's 88, isn't it? He wouldn't have said yeah, Okay, yeah. No, yeah. you're right. You're right. You're right. Sorry. Maybe maybe the manga was out then. I'm not, uh, I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. It, it, so, it was Blade Runner. He saw Blade Runner and was like, oh, fuck. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it was weird because all of this shit was coming up around the same time, though, right? So it's like, it's like no one, I think that people now, like, I don't know, I was talking to somebody else about, uh, uh, I think Blade Runner. They were like, yeah, isn't that a, isn't that an adaptation of Neuromancer? And I was like, no, that's, you're com completely confusing two completely different things. But like, yeah, man, I, I guess like, uh, I could, yeah, I would be terrified too. But this story though, mm -hmm. you know, this yeah. one, um, I, I tried to look to see if there were any adaptations, of this one, um, if anyone had tried to make any adaptations, apparently there's an album that is uh, named after this story that's inspired by, I think it's a visual album or something. Interesting. Which is interesting, mm. yeah. But no shows, no movies, uh, no adaptations, and uh, I hope there aren't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, th this is, uh, it, it, it'd be very difficult to adapt so that it's even close to what this is it'd be like a weird you'd have to give it a plot with like, with like stock footage yeah. and and yeah <laughs> or, or i mean uh, it could be a skin and uh, type of thing where it's just sort of like <laughs> vibes only <laughs> vibes anyway only. um yeah we we should we should we've been we, we've, we've been now devoted three minutes to each word of this story <laughs> 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 yes pretty much all right well um Aaron, uh, where where can we find you? I think you'd mentioned it before, but also let's let's remind people where where can people find your stuff? Oh yeah, people can check out the Trillbillies. That's Trillbilly Workers Party. Um, also, everybody loves communism, where I talk about theory and movies and books and uh, sometimes sci-fi too with Jamie and Jorge, my comrades, and then sometimes a more struggle session uh, with my host Leslie Lee the Third and Jack Allison. Where we get to talk about comic books, which is pretty awesome, you know. All and good, all good. Podcasts. Star Trek, all great. And Star podcasts. Trek, actually, all Star yeah, all Trek. great podcasts. Thank you, thank you. And uh, yeah, I'm also trying to um, I'm trying to write a little bit more, but um, people can check out my Substack. I might put some stories uh up on there, but I'm thinking mostly just like I'll just write some bullshit articles. Not bullshit, I'll write, but um, you know, that's where I'll kind of just like fuck around but if people want to check that out they could check uh out my uh, Substack link in my bio and thanks so much again y'all uh i i actually been thinking about uh picking up uh the second i already have it in my collection but the second uh the sequel to neuromancer but mm -hmm. i'm sort of like oh i'm like going back and forth between writers like i'm reading some jg ballard and then i'm reading dark matter this uh speculative uh uh, mm -hmm. black fiction anthology but i think i'm gonna go back to some gibson because uh i want i want to see what more the man's got man i can't i can't really say that this story is uh is the best he has to offer when i haven't even read uh the second book in the sprawl trilogy so to be <laughs> it's continued good. 
It's good. I don't know if it's better it, than Neuromancer. It's a bit more polished. It's good though. I want to say the second. That's one that's what I heard. Somebody said it was. Somebody said it was better because it was more polished. So I'm curious. Eh, I, I I would disagree, but <laughs> but to each to each their own. To each I don't know. Own. I I I always had a I had a big soft spot for uh, Mona Lisa Overdrive, Overdrive, which is yes. the third Mona Lisa Overdrive. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, Aaron, uh, thanks for coming on. We also we'd love to have you back. So, oh, uh, yo, I am uh, now that uh, it, this is. I'll tell you what. I usually I go on podcasts to talk about politics, right? Um, <laughs> you know, or theory and shit. And I mean, like, I haven't been on to talk about politics. I don't think in a while now because who cares about that shit? But or, or theory is cool. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But this is a lot more fun. So I am definitely down to come back to talk about uh, books. Because <laughs> I like fucking books. <laughs> Excellent. Sounds great. All right. So, um, uh, well, everyone out there, go read this story. It's very short. <laughs> yes. Very short. Um, you, you, Actually, you, this is this is the the, the Carlo guarantee. Uh, my anti doorstopper guarantee is read this. Read this. Um, Get the whole collection. Actually, get the whole Burning Chrome collection because every story yeah, yeah. there is a banger. It's good. It's good. Yeah, read it's... Red Star Winter Orbit. Yeah, oh my uh, god, we that is my favorite fucking one. one. Yeah, that's the one. That's a good one. Also, uh, I think Kurt, you had met, you had recommended uh, Dogfight, which he uh, he Dogfight. collaborated with uh, yeah. Michael Swanwick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one is um, sad, man. God damn, it's it's fucked up. Sorry, it's, <laughs> it's fucked, fucked, fucked up. up that, story, is really, yeah. that is really <laughs> fucked up. It's like, god damn, why'd you do that, man? Shit. Anyway, yeah, it, it, we could go on, but yeah. uh, but we 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 will not continue today. So uh, thanks for everyone, Aaron. Again, thanks again for coming on, and uh, everyone out there, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time here on Podside.